0: How's it going? This is Scott Fish. I co-host a podcast called the Commission
1: Impossible Podcast with Ryan McDowell. We don't exactly go over player values or dynasty trades or potential or rankings or mock drafts, and we
0: usually don't even have guests. We just like to talk about commissioner stuff, so that's what you get. You can learn about lots of different scoring systems, uh, interesting rules, settings how to set up your playoffs how to determine draft order how to determine rookie auction values things like that stuff that commissioners might be interested in like rivalries or rolling bank rolls or salary caps we also answer commissioner questions so if you're interested in that kind of thing check us out it's a pretty good listen
1: are listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast,
0: where there is no off-season. Welcome to another edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan Myler. With me, Ryan McDowell and Matt Price, fellas we're at the in the last leg of our long treacherous journey through the rookie cash stash and trash series that we do every year this week's it's the afc and nfc west so uh a few good names to talk about before we get to those guys though let's talk to matt price
2: matt how you doing bud
0: doing well dano
2: uh excited to talk more rookies with you guys
0: yeah every year we go through this thing and I don't think we're uncovering anything crazy. Uh, we And, and sometimes I, I fear that we all just kind of stay the line a little bit. It's, it's, it's easy to call a guy, oh, he's a stash. We'll just call him a stash. Uh, until last week at the end, Ryan, when Amon Ross at St. Brown, he was trash. I made him trash. Send him to the garbage heap.
2: Everybody's uh, wrong every now
0: and
1: then, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, how's it going? It's going well. I, I thought last week was good too, even even though you had that bad call about Steve Brown. <laughs> uh, we had some good discussion. Uh, I kind of felt like uh, I didn't I didn't realize realize how high I was or how interested I was in in Kylan Hill. So he's uh, sure. a player, I've paid a little more attention to this week as as I look back on the leagues that have already drafted. Get ready for a couple others to uh, to draft soon. So yeah. Tyland Hill is, is a guy to look for, I think.
0: Yeah, maybe we'll try to uncover some of those guys this week, and we'll start in the AFC West. We might as well start with the Super Bowl runner-up, I guess. It's the Kansas City Chiefs. They 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 waited till day three to jump into the skill position players, but they grabbed the tight end, the depth guy, Noah Gray, out of Duke, and then wide receiver Cornell Powell, who's been getting some – Uh, some buzz i guess matt in in rookie camp and then now in uh mandatory may camp as a guy that's kind of flashed a little bit so when it comes to these two kansas city chiefs outside of those top couple skill players in that offense there's room for another name or two to to be contributors maybe even early is there any chance for these two rookies
2: i think Powell is a stash uh you know, there's not. I mean, it, 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 is McCall M- M- Hartman going to happen? I mean, if he if it doesn't happen this year, it's probably not going to happen, right? And. You know, after that, there's nothing really exciting on that depth chart. And if they like Powell, uh, I'm happy to take him with a... I mean, I I haven't looked at recent ADP. I assume he's not even going in the third round at this point. But if I can get him for a dollar in an auction, which I did at a couple of places uh, over the last few weeks, uh, I'm happy to do that and see what happens. Anybody attached to that offense obviously has, you know, some amount of value, uh, unless your name is Noah Gray, I guess, because you have the best tight end in the league in front of you, right? And I don't think Travis Kelsey is going really anywhere for two to three years at least. So, uh, I mean, barring injury or if they all of a sudden want to run 12 personnel more frequently, I don't know. I know you like Gray, Dan, but I'm going to call him a trash kind of roster clogger guy, uh, and I'll stick with Stash for a pal.
0: Yeah, I don't have any problem with calling him trash because – it, at the very least, it is a long, long, long-term stash because yeah. there's not not much room. So he'd have to flash and then flash again and then flash again and then probably <laughs> still need an injury to Travis Kelsey to make any kind of early impact. I don't expect any of that to happen. It is interesting, though. Gray was uh, a mid-fifth-round pick, whereas Cornell Powell was a late-fifth-round pick. So they preferred Gray to Powell uh, behind... Travis Kelsey, there's not a lot of depth there. So I could see them needing another guy, another body Powell though, Ryan, I mentioned the, the flashes and the beat writers kind of talking about him throughout these camps this summer already. Uh, He's, he's an interesting name to be monitoring at the very least.
1: Yeah. I think with this offense, uh, we talk about um, targeting specific offenses and obviously the Chiefs would be at the top of of any kind of list like that. So I I think based on the team uh, and and landing spot alone, both of these guys are stashes. I I do agree Gray is more of a a deeper stash, uh, not only because of Kelsey, but also just because of the tight end position. It's so much more, so much harder to hit at that position. Uh, But there's been some some rookie camp buzz about gray as well. And, and some talk that they are going to run more 12 personnel. So have, have to kind of be careful with that June talk, putting too much stock into that. But I, I think both of these guys are stashes uh, and pal is for me, kind of what Matt said more because of the, the depth chart, obviously lost uh, Sammy Watkins and uh, Hardman continues to, I guess, not really take advantage of his opportunity. So if it it, it could be pal moving up that depth chart quickly.
0: Yeah, the all the news out of out of Kansas City makes you look at that depth chart and suddenly see that that wide receiver core is not stacked with a whole lot of talent. It's it's really weird to to talk about Sammy Watkins as a big loss because us in the dynasty yeah. community have been so disappointed, but really Uh, he was a, he was a big part of that offense when he was on the field, he was needed really. So somebody will have a chance to step into those shoes. Not sure who that's going to be. Uh, you mentioned Hardman, Matt, and he's a different kind of player. He's not, not a big bodied guy, not a guy that, uh, is going to run across the middle and make, make catches in traffic. Maybe Cornell Powell could be that type of player and be another outside threat for them. So I called both stashes as well. They're both players that, in deeper leagues that I want. And, and like you, Matt, I've been grabbing Powell in my auctions for a buck late in the auction. Uh, Let's move on to the Los Angeles chargers. They had a couple of third round picks that will kind of lump together here. Wide receiver, Josh Palmer, who is a size speed guy and didn't didn't really put up big numbers at Tennessee, but certainly there are reasons to be excited about his upside. And then Trey McKitty the tight end out of georgia so matt what are your thoughts on these guys is there is there much upside when it comes to rostering these guys with a back of the roster spot
2: i kind of think they're all stashes uh you know palmer mike williams presumably is going to be gone next year similar spice size speed combination as 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 mike williams there so you know if if he does move on maybe palmer goes into that role not that Williams has been you know lights out or anything but I, I do think he'll he'll be good this year hopefully they can stay on the field right that's always the issue with them so Palmer is 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 fun in that regard and of course attached to to a great young quarterback McKitty you know there's nobody there except for Cook right so I mean Parham was it was a Darling for a little while and and kind of that kind of got deflated once they added Jared Cook. So you know, as a de- developmental guy, he's a little, kind of athletic. He can catch the ball well. Uh, you know, he he, he he I've seen a couple of plays of him where he rips down the seam uh, and looks like pretty fluid pass catcher. So you know, maybe there's something there. They did spend a, a top three round pick on him, right? So uh, and then Roundtree, uh, the, kind of a similar situation with how we just talked about Cornell Powell and like just the depth chart. You know, it's, it's Austin Eckler obviously, and then we have Joshua Kelly who disappointed. Uh, Jackson, who just Jackson, who is kind of always hurt, right, if if he, if he does get on the field. So there, there could be some opportunity for Roundtree. A, a little bit of a bigger back offers something different than everyone on the roster, I guess I would say, except for Joshua Kelly, right? So if, if Kelly continues to disappoint again this season, then maybe Roundtree takes that role, whatever that will be worth in this offense. So uh, I'm going to go stash on all three of these players, McKitty and Roundtree, probably a little bit longer term unless something happens to Austin Eckler. Um, but Palmer, you know, could, could make some noise in year two pretty easily. I think
0: Ryan, these guys are, are really not showing up as as big targets in dynasty leagues and in rookie drafts that you look at on MFL or anywhere else for that matter. But there is a little bit of intrigue, especially with Palmer and maybe even McKitty, And as Matt said, possibly even Roundtree who went in the sixth round out of Missouri.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised, uh, Palmer hasn't been a higher draft pick in rookie drafts. His ADP is 32 overall. That's in superflex rookie drafts held on my fantasy league. To me, he's he's more of that late second round range. Uh, so not not too far off, I guess, but still a player. I think overall we're too low on uh, the draft capital. As a as a mid third rounder is there? Matt talked about Mike Williams potentially moving on after this season, but Williams, we know, unfortunately has trouble even staying on the field. So, I mean, Palmer could get a chance uh, to really contribute this season, uh, not to mention Hunter Henry's gone. I don't think Jared, Cook's, Jared Cook sees the same type of volume that Hunter Henry had. So potentially even more targets to to kind of go around there. Uh, I like Palmer as a stash, but uh, I was I was close to calling him a cash play based on that ADP value. Uh, agree on McKitty, definitely a a stash for him as well. And for Roundtree, I think it comes down to: Do you think he's better than than Joshua Kelly? I don't. I'm not quite ready to give up completely on on Kelly yet. So I would put Roundtree in that trash category. Uh,
0: I would I would stick with stash on Roundtree as well because. While Kelly had his moments, especially early, probably in the first month of the 2020 season. He really wore down, and, and by mm-hmm. the end of the year, he was having a hard time averaging three yards a carry. So, I, I think we've seen what we what he has to offer for us as dynasty managers. It's a little bit of investing in the unknown when it comes to Larry Roundtree. I think if if he uh, if he can grab hold of that job, like Matt said, he offers something that. That's that I, the guys that are going to be on the field aren't going to offer.
2: I, th- I think Kelly had an opportunity to play himself into like a one A, maybe the one B to Austin Eckler, right? And he just didn't really capitalize right? on it. Yeah, he failed. <laughs> I mean, he had like that one good game, and then he fumbled away the job basically, right? And maybe that's just the jitters of being a rookie. Maybe he does have something we haven't seen, but uh, I, I think just based on what you said, Dan Roundtree is a stash. So Palmer
0: and Cornell Powell and Trey McKitty and even Roundtree, they're all like available in the late third and and sometimes even in the late four. Is there is there a guy specifically out of this group since they're so close in ADP, Cornell Powell with the Chiefs and then Palmer and McKitty with the Chargers? Who would you take out of that group,
2: Matt? Uh, I think I would go with Man, that's really tough. I think I would go with Palmer slightly over Powell mostly because of draft capital, but it's really close between those two. I think you know you'd rather have Powell because of the offense he's in, but I think Palmer gets the slight edge. Sure.
0: Ryan, any thoughts on that? I think it's Palmer pretty easily. Okay. Yeah, I was kind of leaning that way as well, despite that that recent news of, of Powell kind of shaking things up at camp. Let's go on to the Denver Broncos. This is one of the biggest names we're going to talk about. It's Javante Williams, the running back out of North Carolina, Ryan, and, and he finds himself in a real nice spot with a uh, pretty good offensive line and and lots of weapons in place. Sure, there's the veteran president presence of uh, Melvin Gordon, but Everything coming out of Denver right now says it's going to be more Javante Williams and less of Melvin Gordon. So um, you've been on record saying you wouldn't be shocked if Gordon wasn't on this roster when the season kicks off. So there, there's very little keeping anybody from calling Javante Williams cash at this point.
1: Yeah, definitely think he's a cash play. Um, I, I, I have thrown that out um, on a, on a couple of pods and, and looked at the numbers since. Uh, since then, I don't think it really makes financial sense. They're, they're not going to save too much money by dumping Gordon. So that uh, prediction probably will not be coming true. But I do still think uh, Williams could certainly uh, lead the team in, in rushing and, and ultimately be uh, that 1A running back for the Broncos as early as this year. So definitely a cash play for Javante Williams. And you're, you're getting a, a, a little bit of a discount from him or for on him from uh, that, that top tier players, those quarterbacks that we're all chasing and, uh, and the first two running backs along with uh, Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts. It, it almost feels like sometimes you're getting stuck with Javante Williams. And, and if that's the case, I think you're ultimately going to be pretty happy.
0: Yeah, it really feels that way. And I mentioned that offensive line that that's a that's a group that's improving on top of being pretty strong already. And while while there's a lot of negativity surrounding the Denver Broncos, uh, specifically the quarterback position, um, it it seems like Matt that the Javante Williams could be a guy that. Although it may take a week or two or or a month or maybe even two to really get uh, set his feet in the NFL. He's going to be a big time playmaker for that Denver offense.
2: Yeah, I I don't know what. Gordon can offer that Williams can't at this point. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe you can make a slight argument that he's a uh G- Gordon is a better pass catcher at this point in his career. You know, we did see Williams used in that role at North Carolina, but wasn't really featured in that. I think he is more of a dump off option than kind of a weapon downfield. But Gordon isn't necessarily that either. So like that's really only 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 thing you could see uh, Gordon offering at this point. So J- Javante Williams is definitely cash and in in auctions too, and in rookie auctions, I've been seeing him going as like a, a deals, honestly, like a third of the cost of, of ETN and Harris. And I'm not sure he's, you know, that like, like if, if if ETN's 300 bucks and Najee Harris is 300, 350 and you get Williams for between a 100 and 150, like that seems like a smash for me. I would rather kind of take that value and be able to use my, my funds elsewhere. If, uh, if that's the case in your auction.
0: Yeah. And he, he really fits into that group of receivers, especially in super flex leagues, where we, we typically talk about those top seven names, the quarterbacks, the couple running backs, and and probably Chase. And then then there's those two Alabama receivers and Javante, and and it's starting to feel to me, Ryan, like Javante's rising to the top of that, that tier of players. And he might be getting closer to that top seven than he is to to that next tier down.
1: Yeah, he's definitely an interesting player in rookie drafts uh, and, and rookie auctions as well. I think in, in one quarterback drafts, to me, he's basically in a tier by himself because I, I would never take him over the other two backs. I wouldn't take him over Chase. I would not take him over Kyle Pitts. But after that. But after that, he's he's clearly the pick in my opinion. I, I, Dan, I know you're a big Waddle fan, but um, I wouldn't consider Waddle, Smith, uh, Bateman, any of the quarterbacks, any of basically anybody else. So in single quarterback leagues, I think Williams is in a tier of his own In super flex leagues. uh, I I can see it being a debate between he and those, uh, I guess, second tier quarterbacks, Wilson and Mac Jones.
0: Yeah, and that's that's what I was getting to. That that group of wide receivers after you get through Chase and before you get to the next running back, whoever you prefer at running back four, there's a there's a big tier break and there's a big difference there. So Javante is separating himself, and it, it certainly seems like he's becoming a value in both auctions and drafts. The Broncos weren't done at the skill positions in the sixth round; they went with. Seth Williams out of Auburn, Ryan, is there, you know, you're a Devi guy. You've been following his career for a long time. He was a big name in the Devi community a few years ago, and it just never really developed. It never really came to fruition. He falls to the sixth round, goes to Denver where they're loaded at wide receiver. What are you thinking? Are, are, are those of us that have him on as on our taxi squad, uh, took him in a Debbie draft or auction, or are we just wasting a roster spot at this point? Uh, yeah,
1: probably so. Unfortunately, and <laughs> I, I know we've disagreed on Seth Williams over the past uh, few months, Dan. Uh, he's he's been a guy that I've said would would be a good late round target. Uh, that was the case at least pre draft, as we saw his value dropping. But landing in Denver, like you said, uh, to me the upside I saw with Williams is that he could be that that uh, end zone target, the red zone target. But with Cortland Sutton there, with uh, with Noah Fant there and now with two uh, pretty talented running backs, Seth Williams is going to be far down that pecking order. And, you know, that, that offense outside of Melvin Gordon is super young as well. So it's not like we can say, let's wait one or two years and, and Williams will will clearly get his shot. I think all of that goes to to putting him in the trash pile, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It feels to me... Like it's a it's a big hill, maybe even a mountain to get onto this roster. The uh, practice squad is probably the best path path for Seth Williams. And maybe that gets him to a different team as a wide receiver five. So he's active on game day and can can make a splash somewhere. I'm just doubting it. Matt, what are your thoughts on Williams coming out of Auburn?
2: yeah i'm just not, i'm just not a fan I, I don't think he necessarily uses his size well he he can't really create separation with his routes so i don't know what he really offers an nfl team except for his size and the only argument i could make for putting him in the stash category which i'm not going to do i think he's definitely in the trash category but courtland suddenly unrestricted free agent next season if they don't sign him maybe he fills in as that bigger body receiver Uh, and kind of takes that role if he, you know, can show himself. So he definitely has the competitive streak, right? We saw him getting, I think a couple of fights, more than one fight. Maybe I think he took a swing at one of, uh, at a player, um, in one of the games that I watched early on in the process. So he has that, that kind of, fire i guess so if, if maybe he's going to play with a chip on his shoulder and is going to you know we see those guys succeed uh sometimes despite their lack of athleticism so if Cortland Sutton moves on and they like him what, what he does this rookie season maybe we're talking about him in some regard next 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 season in 2022 but i don't think so i'm going to keep him in the trash category
0: Fellas, I'd love to have a conversation about the Las Vegas Raiders and what they did in the draft, but they didn't add anything for us to talk about. Uh, so I guess we just have to bypass them. Sorry, Raiders fans. Hey, When um, you're stacked
1: on offense like they are, you don't, need, <laughs> you don't need anything. Maybe we should just regurgitate
0: last year's rookie class because I, I think Henry Ruggs could use a reset, right? <laughs> are, are we Are we still in the stash category on him? Because it, it certainly isn't cash at this point.
1: Uh, I'm sure we were probably cash on, we were probably cash on rugs and Edwards uh, based on opportunity. And and that didn't, didn't really play out very well.
0: Yeah. It didn't work out for any of us. Although more opportunities do uh, do present themselves this year for those two receivers. Uh, Let's head over to the NFC West guys. And um, you know, digging through the names, there is, there are a couple big ones. Let's save those for the end. We'll start in Seattle because it, Matt, it's a, it was an odd draft day opening couple days of the draft for the Seattle Seahawks, at least in my opinion, as I'm watching them make their selections, they had a lot of needs. And in the second round, they go to with a wide receiver, Dwayne Eskridge out of Western Michigan. And it just seems like an odd fit to me. It doesn't, doesn't point to um, dynasty relevance really quickly I think Eskridge is an interesting player. I don't know if I love this landing spot, so I'm interested to see if you think he's cash, a stash, or is he trash?
2: I think he's I think he's borderline cash. You know, if if wow Whoa. I think he's borderline cash. <laughs> and there's the, the reason for that. Uh, reason for that is, uh, first of all, I think he it is a little bit of a weird pick. He's redundant. I think with Tyler Lockett a little bit. Uh, he's heard already. <laughs> he's already that, that's also a thing um but you know russell wilson i think wanted him he he kind of got his way he, after the, all those trade rumors you know they short up the offensive line a little bit they brought in a new play uh 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 play caller to kind of help russell wilson out a little bit so he kind of got his way in. and and then the other part of this is that the, Ram, the 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 seahawks kind of wanted to jump in front of the rams is the rumors we got i think on draft day uh and kind of forced a bad pick from the rams who we'll talk about next um so i don't know i think there's a chance he can get on the field if they decide to run some three wide receiver sets he's probably more in the stash category but i think there's definitely uh a, a case where he could be cash Okay, Ryan. Wow. <laughs> uh, I didn't think it was that hot. I guess so. <laughs> it's pretty
0: hot. It's getting, getting steamy. I said borderline.
2: It. I didn't say it was like, yeah, slam dunk cash. I, I thought I, you I, were going to
1: say borderline trash, which is basically where hmm. I'm at with him. All right. yeah, I, mean, I, he's behind? I think
2: he's pretty close to slam dunk trash.
0: Wow. Okay. In my opinion. I'm happy to be he's,
2: wrong on this one. I don't
0: well, have it. No, I, I like, I like what you said. I, I, a lot of what you said was the reason that I think he's trash though, Matt, he is redundant. Uh, Ryan mentioned he's already injured. He comes from the smaller school and the way the Seahawks run this offense with the, with the run first and all those things that I think you were talking about, uh, it just doesn't feel like there's a path to him being anything more than, than that, that roster clogger with maybe a little bit of upside down the road that you just can never really dump but certainly can't put in your lineup, at least without an
2: injury to one of those top two guys. What if he's Doug Baldwin?
1: He's thirty-four years old.
2: <laughs> so <laughs> was Doug Baldwin when he came out, wasn't he? <laughs>
0: Ryan, I mean, where I, do you I land guess... on him? I I actually I actually put trash for Eskridge. So I, are you I'm gonna be off, you gonna
1: make it three different
0: uh, three yeah. different answers here?
1: Yeah, I, I had him as a stash, and it's almost it's it's just deferring to the draft capital, which I hate to do, but what I like about Eskridge. Uh, value-wise, I guess, is that his ADP didn't didn't go crazy based on that draft capital. I, I think dynasty managers kind of have it figured out at least uh, a, a little bit, or, or we think we do at this point. His ADP's 30 overall uh, right now. So mid-third-round mid range, I think that's where I would take him. We talked about Josh Palmer earlier, 32 overall. I'd rather have Palmer than Eskridge pretty easily.
0: Yeah, I would as well. I was I was going through my notes from scouting. And the top thing I wrote about Dwayne Eskridge was landing spot and draft capital manner matter. And I think the landing spot is awful. I I do not like him in Seattle and the draft capital is excellent. But yeah. I I really do think that that landing spot to your point that that you said you're you're kind of deferring to that to the the capital that being picked in the second round those guys typically have opportunities to become big-time playmakers or at least uh, a big part of an offense and I I just don't see it working and you know I watched a lot of Dwayne Eskridge I tried to get on board with him Um, I I like the long speed and and he he can be like that bubble screen and end around type player as well. So there are roles for him to play in an offense. I just don't know if it's going to come fast enough and, and if he's going to make a big enough impact for, for him to be, to be dynasty relevant. It it does make, go ahead, Ryan.
1: Sorry, Matt. It it does make me wonder if they're worried that the end is near for Tyler Lockett.
0: Yeah. Um, And I, I can subscribe to that theory for sure. There's, because of that redundancy and that there there are so many similarities between those two players. In fact, th- that was the comp, right? That was the guy that we kept hearing when when people would talk about Escudé leading up to the draft. It'd be like like that was his player comparison in the NFL, Lockett. So so him landing in Seattle certainly brings up those those thoughts, or at least that that idea that maybe maybe Seattle knows what they have in Lockett, or or maybe even more what they may not have in Lockett. Coming up soon, Matt.
2: Yeah, and that, I was gonna, I was gonna add that as well. Um, Olive does not like Dwayne Eskridge. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just went back to my notes real quick because uh, because of the discrepancy, I'm gonna go back and watch him some more. But just these are these are some notes that I wrote down real quick. Uh, apparently, he didn't play receiver full time until 2020, which was his fifth season as a redshirt senior. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, I wrote down explosive and a versatile ath- athlete short, but not small beats press with quickness, but not sure about corners. They can get physical and jam him up at the line, but he's physical at the catch point and he can make c- tested catches out and away from his body. So, and he had a good senior bowl. So I don't know. Uh, I'm definitely going to go back and look more because I didn't think there would be such a giant discrepancy uh, between what we thought about him. But uh, yeah, my, my uh, the picture was painted with a landing spot for me. I, I'm just, I can't the get it. The volume on board will be an issue. In, in the field, volume will field. be an issue.
0: Right. And I feel like he's a player that need that is going to need volume. But we'll, time will tell. We'll see who's who's right about this one. Uh, I like that that McDowell sits right there on the fence in between us. So see how it goes. <laughs> like <laughs> uh if there's a UDFA to talk about with the Seahawks, it's another wide receiver. Uh, the big wide receiver out of Florida State, Tamorian Terry. Uh, another guy, Ryan, that had a little Debbie buzz over the last few yeah. years, and and there were things to like even in the pre-draft process about Terry. The fact that he went undrafted is a little bit concerning, obviously, and um, kind of surprising. It, really, I, I thought he'd be a day three pick, but I thought he'd for sure get selected. So, is there is there anything there with Terry that that maybe could make him a stash
1: for for down the road? Um, well, I mean, we've said all we need to say about the landing spot. Clearly we are not excited about that in general for wide receivers. And it's just uh, kind of like you said, it's, it's just so hard for the, for undrafted wide receivers uh, to really make it in the league at all. Um, so I'm I'm not counting on Terry. He's, he's a player in hindsight that uh, should have come out in the draft a year ago. He had a little bit of buzz, ended up going back to Florida state and, and ultimately, uh left the team before the season even ended and uh I don't believe that was a that was not a covid opt out that was uh just just walking away just quitting the team i'm sure that didn't help uh his his stock in the in the eyes of nfl scouts either so uh, i think it's just too far to go for terry
2: Yeah. Trash for me. Uh, straight line speed kind of player has some nice length, but I don't think it really offers that much outside of that. And why would you throw it to him? You know, 60 yards downfield when you have DK Metcalf out there. So (laughs) that's kind of my take on Terry. So, so like a, he, 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 he's, he's a two route player, right?
0: You either send him deep or run the slant. That's, that's all you really do with Tamori and Terry. And he is, pretty good at both He he's all right especially as a college player he runs on, under the football well and he he has a big enough body to to handle that slant so maybe he's like the the poorest man's version of dk Metcalf, as poor as you can get right because <laughs> dk is is a is magnificent on the slant and so good deep down the field at other levels you know he's He's never really proven himself to be to be exceptional uh, outside of those two two places in the in, his, in their game plan. Um, let's jump over to the L.A. Rams, guys. Uh, another team that made a splash in the second round with a wide receiver, but maybe not the name we expected. It's Tutu Atwell. We've talked about him uh, quite a bit on this show, actually. Uh, the size is just not there with Tutu Ryan, and he goes late in the second round to the Rams, who as we all know, have wide receivers already in place. So buried on a depth chart, there's some chances to probably make an impact on special teams. He is that speed freak that, that can stretch the field. So maybe there's a role for him, but does it ever transfer over to dynasty? And are you, are we really willing to, to make a draft pick in the, what, the third round to add Tutu Outwell to our rosters?
1: Yeah, probably not. Um, There's obvious concerns about his size and, and, therefore his durability and and just just how long he can last in the league in general taking hits from from NFL defenders we know yeah, that Jamal
0: Adams is going to make him look look <laughs> real bad going across the middle
1: <laughs> we know the rams like to use robert woods in that in in those end arounds um, i think that could be the atwell role so sure. take a take whatever robert woods got uh, as a runner last year uh, but and he, and he scored a couple of touchdowns i believe that that will be Atwell's ceiling, I think. That's yeah, I think much he scored
0: it. him at the at the one and two yard line when they ran those, and I don't I don't know if I like Atwell run around the edge at, at the one or two. Yeah, yeah. So um, I see what you say though. That that is a good point. There might be some creative ways to get him the football. I, I just don't know if it matters for fantasy if it's going to be enough. That's all gimmicky, and you know we've seen these guys come through the league that have been relegated to these kind of roles. And unless you have something to add on top of that, where that makes that end around or that jet sweep uh, uh, added bonus, then you're, you're not even on dynasty rosters,
2: Matt. It it almost feels like the panic pick. Like they wanted Eskridge and they're like, Oh crap, he's gone. Let's take two, two (laughs) out. right. So uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's actually what happened, but that's the way it felt. Uh, So yeah, I, I agree with you guys completely. He's, man, I don't know. I don't want to call him a trash. I'm going to call him a, I'm going to call him borderline stash, I guess. Uh, just be again, cause of the draft capital. And also if we look back at some of his metrics, he was, uh, uh, had a pretty good dominator rating. If I remember yeah. right. I'm trying to pull up my notes here real quick. Uh, he was a, had a 40% dominator rating in his age, in age 19 breakout age so you know he has he has the metrics behind him for some kind of success but it seems like he's going to be a better NFL player than maybe uh, if, if, if he's going to be a player he's going to be a better NFL player than a fantasy player like you said getting used in those creative like kind of gadgety ways uh, to get him the ball in his hands but you're not going to be able to count on that I don't think for fantasy
1: well I mean I think it a couple things as as good as as good as the Rams have been over the past few years under Sean McVay, it's not because of their draft. Um their True. their drafting ability, especially on the offensive side. I mean, you you just look at the players they brought in uh, and especially at wide receiver, and overall, we're talking about a lot of misses and, and very few hits, uh, really none outside of Cooper Cup. So I, I don't think Atwell is the one to change that trend. And just looking at the names that they've drafted here. We we've talked about maybe the versatility that Atwell brings Jacob Harris. We'll talk about in a moment, wide receiver, wide receiver slash tight end. They, they announced him as a tight end uh, for faint or as a wide receiver for fantasy purposes. I know my fantasy league has already moved him to a tight end. Uh, they drafted Jake, Jake Funk, basically a, a big blocking fullback who can uh, do some different things. So looking for that versatility, really across all positions was definitely something that, that they had in mind with this draft. Right. And they're, you know, those, those kind of guys
0: become good NFL football players, but certainly don't, don't land on dynasty rosters. You you know, all these teams out of the Shanahan tree do this. You see a handful of names that are tight end slash running back slash fullback and, and those wide receivers that move around the formation and, and the running backs that can, uh, line up in the slot and all these kind of things. That's a Shanahan staple really. And all these teams, the Rams, uh, the jets started doing that a little bit this year. The Packers have done it over the last few seasons as well. Since LaFleur has gotten there, it, it, you don't want to get married to that as a dynasty manager, because I, I really believe that Atwell fits into this. They see a specific role for him. Maybe it's a package of less than 10 plays a game where he can make an impact and a lot of those plays may be as that jet sweep guy that is a decoy to create running lanes for Cam Akers uh, and, and really be great for that offense, but not necessarily very good for dynasty managers. You mentioned some of the names, Ryan, Jacob Harris in the fourth round, Jake Funk in the seventh, and then uh, Ben Skarenik uh, out of Notre Dame, the wide receiver uh, in the seventh round. I'm guessing this is trash all the way around, but if you guys want to correct me on that, feel free.
2: I think Harris is maybe a stash. He's gotten some buzz lately, especially if he's going to be tight end instead of wide receiver. I I do like the opportunity for Higby this season now that Everett has moved on. Uh, but you know, Harris, I think could spoil that maybe not this season, but in, in another year or two, uh, perhaps he can, he can make some noise that way. So I think he's a stash. Uh, and then the other guy, uh, I already forgot his name. Is 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 trash. <laughs> the other two guys, don't, I guess. Ben don't Funk, Jake yeah, Funk, Jake Funk, Jake Funk. And, a great uh, name, no doubt. Great, a great, great name,
0: man. but it's probably not gonna not gonna land him on. Can Dynasty we get rosters. Jake
2: Funk and Jake Butt on the same team, and then we <laughs> Butt, Butt Funk?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well done, Matt. Oh, <laughs> hat tip on that one. Uh, Ryan, where did you land on Atwell? Or, did you land on on trash, or are you stashing it?
1: Uh, stash for Atwell and for Harris, uh, Jacob Harris as well. Oh, I'm trashing
0: all four of these guys. I'm out.
2: No Rams for me this year. (laughs) Uh, You're more of a Van Jefferson guy, huh? (laughs) 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 Yeah. you're hot tonight,
0: Price. (laughs) Uh, How about the Arizona Cardinals, guys? There is one name to talk about, and it's a fun one. It's Rondale Moore out of Purdue. He has uh, all the highlights that you want out of uh, <laughs> out of college. He has the landing spot with an offense that we like. He has a quarterback in place, and you know, to be honest with you, he he has all the draft capital we wanted because there was a little bit of fear, right? With with Moore, that maybe because of the size and those things that he slips. Well, everything fell into place. He got it all. Uh, R- Matt. There's no way he's not cash, right?
2: My my favorite player in this entire draft. Perfect landing spot. He's cash all the way. And if uh, you know if the Packers screw up this Rogers situation, then I might become a Cardinals fan just because Moore oh, Moore's there. Whoa. So he is spitting
0: <laughs> fire tonight. Man.
2: Rondale Moore is going to be so
0: much fun to watch. I cannot wait.
2: I can't, I can't
0: wait either. I, I expect all the creativity and the, the funky route combinations and, and motions and all those things that we like in that Arizona offense. It's all going to be Rondell Moore and it's going to be creating opportunities at the line of scrimmage and down the field. Because when you have Rondale Moore just burning you on those quick bubble screens, tunnel screens, end arounds, those kind of things, that sucks the uh, the the defense up, and then suddenly your guy that that everybody says, well, he's fast, but not like deep speed fast. He's getting over to the top for big plays, and th- those are all going to happen. They're going to happen as a rookie. If he might be the most cash player in that we've covered in this four week series, Ryan.
1: One hundred percent cash. Love Rondell Moore. I'm I'm with Matt uh, completely. He's he's my favorite player in this draft as well. And uh, I mean, I loved the player already. I was I was starting to get a little worried as as the draft neared that uh, maybe he wouldn't get that draft capital that uh, that I was hoping for. But uh, as a as a mid second rounder, that works for me. Uh, I think Dan won some money on that <laughs> on that uh, draft pick as well. One hundred percent cash player, and and I think you know we've heard the Elijah Moore hype lately, uh, and and then of course Bateman is getting getting attention as a as a first round draft pick, and and maybe the the potential wide receiver one on his team. Uh, two things that we can't say about Rondell Moore at this point. So I, I think you're getting a little bit of a discount on Rondell Moore right now in in these later rookie drafts,
0: which seems insane. That 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 seems nuts that there is that discount or even a perceived discount. He's attainable, and it doesn't feel like he should be at this yep. point. We we all love the landing spot. We love the draft capital. Although Ryan's right, Matt. I did win some money on that one. I was so right, so, so right when I said <laughs> he's going to be closer to a third-round pick than a first-round pick. And you said, no way. Obviously well, going to be closer to a first-round pick. 2.17, baby. One pick after halfway through
2: the uh well the packers they they let us down with this one that's all, all i'll say okay. didn't you lose didn't you you oh you want to bet by with dickens right for one for one by one pick i think is that what it was was it with dickens i thought I it was he, no wasn't it with me it was okay it was i eric. would not have bet well, you on that when eric listens he'll he'll be he'll, he'll be <laughs> shaking
0: his head uh, <laughs> let's uh let's jump over to san francisco fellas there are a few names worth talking about for sure and probably some names that dynasty managers everywhere are looking at high in their their dynasty drafts at least relatively speaking. It starts with the with the super the big name in superflex leagues, Trey Lance, North Dakota State. Everybody knows that I love Trey Lance and think he is a future superstar. I've done the comparisons, the the Mahomes type upside with Trey Lance in that offense with that coaching staff. It's going to happen. He is cash, cash, cash. It just it's it's just not immediate cash,
1: right? Ryan? I think it might be immediate cash. Oh, really? Uh, okay. Yeah. And and even in a in a one quarterback league, I think he's a cash player. I have uh a single quarterback best ball league that uh, I've won a couple of years now. So I had I had the 112 pick and I I used that pick on Trey Lance and was pretty happy mm-hmm. about it. Yeah, I do think he. I think he has a chance to start early and and early and often for the 49ers. Just I think they know what they have in Garoppolo, and whether they ultimately move him or not, uh, or or if they just let him hang around, I think Lance will get his shot. It
0: really feels
1: the vibe I get is that they they want
0: Garoppolo to start early in the season. That's that might just be a gut, and maybe I'm off with that. And they they feel Lance could benefit from sitting, you know, a handful of weeks or maybe even most of the season. That that's what make, gives me a little bit of pause when it comes to if he's going to be a, a cash guy in 2021. Matt, where do you land on on Trey Lance?
2: Yeah, he's cash in 2021, and I I I think it's possible. I know it's. I've been I've been on the hot takes tonight, apparently, but I think it's possible that started
0: with Dwayne eskridge I don't know what was going on
1: there.
2: I think it's well. You're not. If you don't like that one, you're probably gonna hate this one. I uh, all all of the all of the stuff around Urban Meyer, it just feels weird. It feels gross the way they're using everything. He's called uh, what's his face, uh, Travis Etienne slash now using him that way. Brought in Team tape, all this stuff. It just feels like what I mean. What if he screws up Trevor Lawrence? What if he does? I mean, maybe not maybe not permanently forever, but like see but like the first season if he screws up Trevor Lawrence, then maybe Trey Lance is is the best quarterback uh, of the rook, of of this rookie class during their rookie season. So, uh I I don't think it's even uh that necessarily bad if you decided you wanted to take Trey Lance over over uh Trevor Lawrence in a super flex draft. So I don't either.
0: I I and I've said it before, I think there's a there's a realistic chance that Lance is the best fantasy quarterback in the class it's and it's not even a real real big leap to to get there so uh you guys are more i guess glass half full that trey lance will take over early i think it's going to take that injury which would most likely is going to come with jimmy garoppolo um for him to get on the field in the first month
2: or maybe even the first couple months of the season but even when he was healthy last year he was bad like what if he has two what if he comes out of the gate and has two bad games in a row
0: I don't yeah, know. I, I guess you know di- dynasty managers will be clamoring for Lance, but does that mean Shanahan and that coaching staff is going to make the switch? I'm, I'm just if, not they well. if they start Owen two,
2: if they start zero and two with Garoppolo, maybe. I know they have the. I think I, uh, I guess I, I can't say I, I know, but I think I read somewhere that the Niners have one of the easiest, if not the easiest, schedule in the entire league this year. So I mean, maybe maybe you're right. Maybe Garoppolo does come out and looks looks good because of the schedule. I don't know. Yeah, they're
0: they're getting the benefit of playing a lower lower class schedule because of how they finished last season. Um Trey Sermon, third round pick to the 49ers. Uh of Ohio State, Matt, you know, a, a quality running back, a a good a, a guy we we liked at least to some extent coming into the NFL draft. Then we saw the landing spot and the third round draft capital, which is typically pretty good for a running back. Feels like Trey Sermon's gonna get opportunities early and often in this San Francisco offense, which has churned out some really good fantasy running backs. So uh interested to see where you land here. It feels like feels like he's a potential cash guy though.
2: Yeah, I think he is cash, but I I also feel like we're propping him up a little bit too much now. Um, uh, Brian, you might have updated rookie ADP, but I think he's going like 108, 109 at this point, and I I understand why, but I just don't know how you're going to predict it unless you think that Shanahan is just going to completely change what he's going to do. I I really think Mostert's going to get the first shot uh and we'll see with sermon at some point i'm sure he'll be mixed in early but i just i'm not convinced he's going to take over the role entirely and you know you know running back is such a a difficult position anyway with 20 to 24 guys we really think we can count on at this point so um you know i think he will have his games but i'm not sure we're going to know exactly when we should be starting him i'm I'm not convinced he's going to just completely take over the backfield i guess is the way to put it
0: I'm so frustrated with Trey Sermon because you're right. He is moving up all these draft boards in those kitchen sink leagues. I have a couple c- shares of of Trey Sermon out of Devi League. You know, it's a Devi League, and it, it, you know, invest in him early. And I can't get those kind of prices for Trey Sermon trying to capitalize on it. So it feels like there's somebody in every league that loves Trey Sermon, except in the leagues I'm trying to sell him. So <laughs> I, I'm kind of with you, Matt. I, I think he's cash but I don't think it's uh, straight cash homie. It's, it's not, it's not a guarantee, right?
1: No, not a guarantee. I, but I, I do, I do think he's a cash player as well. And of course the, the Jeff Wilson injury cemented that, um, if you were looking at that backfield and, and initially after the draft and just thinking mm-hmm. he's the young guy and Wilson and Mostert have both had injury issues, um, Maybe you were a, a little ahead of, of the curve there, but ultimately I think it probably worked for you if you were drafting him in that late first round range uh, immediately after the NFL draft, because uh, Matt, you're right. He, he has moved up. He's in that uh, one seven, one eight range of single quarterback leagues. He's in the uh, 112 2.01 range of super flex leagues. Uh, he's ahead of Rashad Bateman, ahead of, uh, Elijah Moore, Rondell Moore, Michael Carter. Uh, Carter, interestingly enough, was actually ahead of Sermon until the Wilson injury. I was kind of surprised by that one, honestly, as well. But um, yeah, the, the injury to to Wilson, I think, is is a huge deal for for Sermon, and and ultimately makes him a cash player.
0: What's the upside with Trey Sermon? Ultimate upside in this great offense that let's say they really hit the ground running. It's going well. Mostert is only a part-time player or maybe he goes down and Sermon becomes the guy. What is his ultimate upside? Where could he end the season among running backs, Ryan?
1: I don't think he could easily be an RB1 in this offense. I mean, I I think about a guy like James Conner who – you know you you question his talent, and of course, injuries played a big part in his career, unfortunately. But Connor put up a, a thousand plus yards. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but certainly was a, a running back who gained a ton of value over his first couple of seasons in the league. Uh, and, and then you had to make the decision is he is he for real? Is he an elite running back we can count on for two or three or four years, or should we be selling? and And for most running backs, that's going to be the answer. And and it's tough to sell high on on some of those players, tough in, in two different ways, right? You've got to find the the manager in your league that that does believe in them, and, and you also have to make the decision for yourself.
0: Yeah, I really I really like that comp, and, and Matt, I want to bring you in on this as well. the The James Connor comp is a good one. He's a guy that that there were lots of questions about and then got the landing spot and became the stud. And we had to make that decision. So when it comes to sermon with you, what's the upside and what are you looking to do if you have him on your rosters?
2: Uh, I don't know if I would say he's easily a running back one, but I think he's definitely in that top, you know, 10 to 12 discussion. Were he to take, take over? um, We have to remember he, if, 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 if all of our, desires for trey lance come true right he's he's gonna be he's gonna be running the ball a lot as well um and we know that you know at least historically the data that we have is that running quarterbacks are going to target their running backs less because they're going to run it instead of dump it off to their running back right so you're going to reduce his ppr upside at that point um and, you know, if Trey Lance runs for five to ten touchdowns, then, you know, you're, you're reducing that part of his game as well. But if he is able to take over the backfield, I, I think there's almost no chance he's not like that back end running back one. Um, and in terms of what I'm doing with him, uh, if he did finish as a running back one, I'm probably going to sell him, I think.
0: Yeah, it feels like that he's one of those guys that you you want to get what you can while you can, while the getting's good, and then move on from him. That's, that's how I'm looking at it. I, I've tried to capitalize, as I said before, on some of that jump, that spike in value since the NFL draft. And I'm having a hard time doing it in my leagues, but that's, that's not to say that's going to happen in yours. Last guy we need to talk about here. Another running back, Elijah Mitchell out of uh, Louisiana sixth round pick another 49ers tailback ryan uh late round stash guy guy that's hanging around that depth chart and as we know everybody in that san francisco backfield at some point becomes the featured guy seems like elijah mitchell will be one of those guys down the road here
1: it seems like that's how they play things and and because of that i'm i would call him a stash uh certainly at the 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 gap in ADP. Trey Sermon's going to cost you basically a first round pick, and Elijah Mitchell's hanging around there at the end of the third round or or into the fourth round.
2: Yeah, I think he's a stash as well. You know, we could going into twenty twenty two, it could be you know Sermon as the lead guy and Mitchell as the the change of pace or backup or or whatever you want to call the the secondary backs, the tertiary backs in Shanahan's offense. Right, they're all going to get on the field at some point unless sermon is just so good he blows them out of the water which I just not sure he is so I uh, love taking a shot on Mitch, Mitchell late and I mean I don't know I don't know if I would necessarily say I would rather spend the the buck or two that it would cost me to get Mitchell than the you know I don't know 50 to 100 bucks depending on your auction budget that's going to cost to get uh sermon because sermon's certainly going to get the first choice but from a you know a, a, a risk reward standpoint I think Mitchell has has some good upside on him
0: yeah, and that's what makes him a stash. He's so cheap that you can put him put him in that 29th or 30th roster spot and feel great about it. Heck, in a 22 or 24 or 25-man league, there's, there's probably room for Elijah Mitchell on your roster. Guys, we we did it. We covered every draft pick. We even threw on some of these UDFAs. We, we call them all cash, stash, or trash. I guess we get to do it next year.
2: We should have. We, we got to go back and keep. We got to start keeping tallies like of how many out of all of the rookies did we call cash, dash, or trash? I'm, I'd just be curious to see the numbers on that. Well, hey, right. listeners. Hey, listeners. Some somebody, that, somebody that listened, you know, go back and tally all that for us and let us know.
0: Yeah, um, let us know how we did. <laughs> we, we all need that report card, right? Uh, So we, we got through the series. We covered all these rookies, fellas. And now we get to uh, take a quick break and reset and we'll be back at it again next week. For Ryan and Matt, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We'll catch you again next week.